Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The motto for 2022 is out with the old, in with the bold. And if you're ready to revamp your career, your relationships, or your money this year, check out Modern Life. It's a new podcast and newsletter from Fidelity Investments with fresh perspectives from people defining success on their own terms and tips to help you do the same. Search Modern Life wherever you find your podcast to follow and subscribe. Keep in mind that investing involves risk. The value of your investment will fluctuate over time and you may gain or lose money. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 82. We are going to talk Indians and Guardians baseball with one of the absolute legends of the organization, a man that has been there for over 40 years as the head of PR for the Indians. That's right. It's none other than the legendary Bob DiBiasio. We are going to talk about the process of changing from the Indians to the Guardians, an absolutely fascinating story. You do not want to miss it. So coming up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 82 of the Garage Beers podcast. Go find us online at the Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram. Find our Facebook, find our YouTube channel, and so much more. And as always, we are proudly brought to you on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Find them at Belly Up Sports and the Unhinged Radio Network as well, bringing us around the world on the radio network, which is really cool to see. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me are the two best co-hosts in the game. Over on the east side of Cleveland, it is Garage Beers Chad. Chad Meyer. What's up, Chad? Hi. Hi. Guys, I'm surprised I made it out on the porch tonight. It was soaking wet earlier due to that warning from God that we had from a storm earlier. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm out here. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do a podcast. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, it was it was just torrential downpour all day long today. But you know what that brought? Uh, there isn't one more day in the 80s in the entire forecast. It is 60s and low 70s the whole freaking time. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll suck it. Both you're, of you. An, you you're, both you're an Eskimo. You big big weather guy over here. You're <laughs> 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 such jerks. Right. Uh, all right, Chad's chilling on the porch down in Nashville, Tennessee. It's Joey Whalen at Garage Beers. Joe, what's up, Joe? I feel like I would be doing a slight disservice 
um, to not shed light to some like the behind the scenes magic that goes into podcasting. I feel like we need to release episodes in the order that we drink beer um, because sometimes we record interviews at different times and we have to fit them into an episode. Um, and so this part is after one of those interviews. <laughs> so how many, how many beers have you had so far, Joe? Not that many, just three, but I'm on four. And that's the fourth one's my garage beer for this week. And uh, you'll hear more about it in a minute. You sure will. Uh, so, yeah, we're all here. We're all ready for a good time. Uh, and we got some baseball talk on this episode. Uh, joining us uh, in just a little bit, uh, uh, an interview that we recorded a little while ago, but uh, a guy whose name has been synonymous with Cleveland baseball. And he's really been kind of the face of Cleveland baseball as he has been the head of PR uh, for the Indians for the better part of 45 years. Bob DiBiasio joined us. And man, what a great interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. He really opens up about the change, the Guardians, all that stuff. So you will want to listen to that. But before we get to that, of course, we got to start our episode like we start all of our episodes with our Garage Beers of the Week. And so while you guys figure out which beers are, I am going to lead us off this week. And I'm going to lead us off because one of our listeners, one of our friends, sent me uh, sent us a message on Instagram. And he said, a beer I think one or all of you should try is mixing half pumpkin beer and half angry orchard. It's the best taste of fall ever. So this is Zach Dugner uh, on Instagram. I don't know if I'm saying your last name right. Dugner, I think is like it's something like that. Big Zach, Zach, Zach D. Dugs, Dugs, Zach D. I went to the store today and I grabbed a pumpkin, which I've already had this fall uh, for a pumpkin beer, and I grabbed a sixer of Angry Orchard. And so, what I had before you, gentlemen, in this beautiful Cleveland glass that I have, is half pumpkin and half Angry Orchard, and I am super pumped to try this because Zach. Uh, said it was the bomb. Uh, so okay. here we go. Let's give it a shot. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Zach's, not, Zach's not wrong. Zach's not wrong. Angry uh, Orchard yeah. is like sneaky, like with mixing with like, have you ever had the Angry Balls before? Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Angry. Uh, plowed on those fireball? stupid things. Yep. Oh, Angry Balls? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Angry balls. Huh. All right. Uh, let's give a shout out to Zach here. Yeah. Great uh, suggestion. I don't usually have like the ciders in the house, angry orchard or anything. I went and got it and I will drink these anytime. It's like, it's like taking kind of that. Cause you know how the pumpkin beers can be a little, I don't want to call them flat, but flatter tasting. They're like kind of a flatter tasting beer. It's like spicing them up, giving them yeah. a little like carbonation, almost like, uh, man, it is delicious. And then you get a little of that apple taste coming yeah. through. That's really good, Zach. All right. I'm very pleased with my garage beer of the week. Uh, Joe, you're wearing your garage beer on your face right now. Yeah. So I'm going to send it over to you. It's a heady beer. It's a- um, <laughs> I was really hyping up this beer in the intro, and the beer itself is delicious. It's from Mon- Monday Night Brewing. It's called the Death Raptor Killer IPA. Um, mm. It's actually an Atlanta-based brewery, but they just opened a location here in Nashville. And they had... Um, some fantastic beers. There was one that I couldn't get in a can. I guess I can go back for a growler, but they have this like coffee IPA and it's, it's one of the best beers I've ever had. Love this place. They did break the Cardinal rule that I have against breweries. And that's when they reuse cans. 
for new beer that's not the original can. Like they have like a hard print on a on a can, and then they just slap a label over it when they want to have a new beer on it. Oh, so I I noticed it because I saw a couple things peeking through the top of the label, so I peeled it back, and the can was intended for the Lundy IPA. Uh-oh. Uh Who knows what that is? That's not what I'm drinking now. I'm drinking the Death Raptor, which sounds way cooler. Go on, Death Raptor. Um, so yeah, the Death Raptor is great. Um, but buy some cans or buy some blank cans, and then just slap labels on all your cans. I don't, I don't understand why. I don't know. I think it's kind of weird, but uh, here we are. It's a good beer. All right, Death Raptor. Bad label or a good label? Bad labeling on the can. Bad label, know. good name, and good beer. Let's go. All right, Chad, wrap us up. What's your garage beer of the week? Well, fellas, my garage beer this week comes all the way from a brewery down in where the fuck am I, Ohio. Uh, (laughs) It it is uh, called the Wally Post Red. And this is uh, an American red rye ale uh, down from uh, Moeller Brew Barn. This is the second of two beers that my good buddy Josh Montgomery uh, brought me when he was up here for my friend Sean's 40th birthday. And it's an American red rye ale. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Uh, let's, let's read the description here. In the build it and they will come era of Molar Brew Barn, we set out to brew a great American red. Now it's a beer with delicious hop juiciness, a complex multi backbone, and a Ooh. catch in the rye malt spiciness. One that carries the name of a local baseball legend. Yeah, so the a local baseball legend, Wally Post. Uh, is from around that area down in Maria Stein, Ohio. Oh, nice. And that's who they and that's who they named this after. And it's uh, it's good. It's good. It's 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 not as uh, bitter as a lot of uh, red ales are. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty delicious, guys. So yeah, Muller Brew Barn down in again. Where the fuck am I, Ohio? Uh, Maria Stein, <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's it. Love it. All right, boys. Couple of good <sighs> beers. One good like beer cocktail type thing here going on here. Uh, and, uh, and man, we're going to have a lot of fun over these beers on this episode. Uh, hard to believe episode 82, but, uh, uh, it's time for us to get ready to talk to Bobby D. Those are our garage beers of the week though. Uh, send us your garage beers. If you have any suggestions like Zach did on Instagram, get over to our page, send us a message. And as you found out, one of us will go and find it and try it out. So, uh, cheers to you, the listener boys, cheers to you guys here on the show. Now it is time for us to send it off to an amazing conversation with the one and only Bob DiBiasio. All right. And now we are very excited. We have a, a, an incredible special guest here, especially if you're from the Cleveland area or if you're a Cleveland baseball fan, a Cleveland Indians fan. Uh, this guy's name over the course of over 40 years has really become synonymous with the public uh, image of the Indians. He is the senior vice president of public affairs for the Cleveland Indians. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he puts a, a lot of good stuff up there at BD Baseball Six. It's Bob DiBiasio. Bob, welcome to the Garage Beers Podcast. Thank you. I look forward to this. Uh, as I said to you earlier, if Rosie did this, I've got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we've decided we're already going to make this very competitive between the two of you. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, listen, it's. Uh, it's been just a, a wild year, obviously. I'm sure your head has been spinning through a good chunk of this year. And and really, unlike a year you probably have had in 40-plus years with the Indians. So we're just very excited that you joined us, and we're very excited to get into a little bit of that, talk about your experiences, uh, and talk about what's going on with the team and the stadium and all that stuff. Uh, but before we get into all of that stuff for now, I love your story. 
and, and it's something that a lot of people know. Uh, but you're a Lakewood kid. You're you're a yep. you're a Cleveland kid. You you grew up here. You went to college in Ohio. You grew up minutes from from Cleveland Municipal Stadium, uh, and now you've been with the team for over forty years. Just you know, what's it like looking back, thinking you know, as a kid growing up in Lakewood, you'd be spending all this time with the Cleveland Indians. Well, I I still consider myself uh, incredibly fortunate, incredibly lucky to live a dream. Um, when I was at Ohio Wesleyan University as a freshman, we'd sit around the fraternity house and just ask each other, what in the hell are you going to do with your life? <laughs> you know, and one, you know, somebody says, well, I'm going to be an attorney. Uh, I'm going to own my own business. I'm going to be a teacher and a coach. I'm going to be a dentist. My father's a dentist. So I'm going to go work for my father and hopefully take over the practice someday. And they turn to me and I go, well, I'm going to be the PR guy of the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> and they're like, what are you, an idiot? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that makes no sense. And I just set out trying to figure out, A, how you become a professional sports PR person. And again, this is back in the early 70s uh, when there was no sports management schools, right. curriculum, there was none of that. So I did my research and every one of the sports PR person back then, it was truly a fraternity. Thankfully, it is not that way anymore that we've opened it up to uh, females and anyone who chooses to get into this industry. But back then it was all men who were late in life uh, journalists. They were sports writers or broadcasters who were finishing their lives and their careers as sure. a PR person of a sports team. So I said, well, I better get a journalism degree <laughs> okay. along that path and become a sports writer. Uh, my father being two older brothers that went to Ohio Wesleyan, Ohio Wesleyan as well, uh, both went into education as my father was uh, an educator. Uh, he was a high school football, basketball, baseball coach at Lakewood High. Yes. An assistant coach. He um, was an administrator, spent close to 50 years. So my two older brothers went into education. One is currently the president at Ohio Northern University. Love it. My other brother was a counseling psychologist for the Fairview Schools for 30 plus years. Wow. Now teaches at Wallam Wallace as an adjunct professor. And I went into sports. But <laughs> we had to we had to get a degree, a teaching certificate. So my father made sure that we were skilled in something. So I had my teaching certificate in English with a journalism degree, went to Ohio State to get my master's in journalism, and through persistence, connecting with Harry Jones, the PR man of the Indians, bugging him for four or five years that I wanted to work for him, <laughs> that I finally got the opportunity, and uh, I've been fooling them ever since. And then it was like, guys, enough with the serious talk. We got the sorority mixer in 10. Can we just get, can we just leave it? Can we just go? <laughs> 
Oh, poor Bob. At the beginning of that career, you probably thought you were going to be wearing out a typewriter forever. Yeah, right, because, right. Uh, I guess I got 30 years of this before I can do that job. Yeah. Yeah. And no, honestly, I, I spent five months as a sports writer in Fremont, Ohio, and got the phone call um, from Harry asking if I was still interested in working for the Indians and come in for an interview. And, you know, again, 43 years later, uh, still doing it and still loving the challenge as you opened with um michael it uh it's been a very challenging year you know uh, not just COVID and protocols and all those things but all the things that have been happening with our organization when it comes to a team name change and lease negotiations <laughs> and things of that nature um so yeah it's been a it's been a unique uh um, season for sure. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. But we, the, the Indians are, are the, the the Cleveland baseball team is is always famous for having unique situations and things happening. And uh, and uh, you know, it's always you at the forefront of that. You ever feel like, hey guys, like cut me a break for a second? Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm no. on the railroad track here, and the train's coming, and like, please cut me a break. No, that that's the beauty of it is the challenge each day. All of us in our lives have routine, right? Sure. I mean, in our sport, we go to spring training in February. We open in April or March 31st. Um, you open the season <laughs> and you play 162 baseball games. Uh, you hope you're playing in October. There's certain routine things that happen as part of that schedule. Um, so it's the challenges, the curveballs, if I may say that are thrown at you that keep you on your toes, make this an exciting industry. Uh, and of course, all the people you get to come across, not only fans uh, who are just incredibly awesome um, because they're all over the board. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so oh, they, sure, they, could sure. as, they could be as nice as can be and as <laughs> mean as they can be, but they're all passionate about the baseball team. And uh, those challenges are what keeps you going. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine, uh, uh, you know, over time, I would imagine this year, though, is probably you probably encountered some of the meaner ones, maybe a little more frequently this year. Than yeah, years I've, past. I've thought about I thought about pulling out the old trick with some of the letters I've received regarding oh, yeah. our team change, <laughs> pulling the old trick out is sending the letter back to the person if they were man enough to leave a name and address most of them don't even sign their name right or return address to the letters we've received but those that do the old trick of sending it back saying just want you to be aware mr smith that uh, somebody's been using your name and sent me this horrible oh, i love it uneducated, oh, no. unintelligent, <laughs> mean-spirited letter and they're doing it under your name and i wanted you to be aware of that i didn't pull that trick out but there are a number i just tell you guys there's a number of those that have fallen on my desk that uh, i wish i would have pulled the trigger on that one as you can see this person is the dumbest person i have ever received from. you might then not you come to your set yeah then you come to your senses and go all right let it go yeah i'm not calling you dumb but the person using your name <laughs> is dumb. exactly yeah exactly 
So you started with the Indians in 1979, which is awesome. And you, you know, it's just fun to look back. It's fun to look back at the, you know, you're working, you're working PR, but you're working with players. The team has players, Andre Thornton and Dwayne Kuyper and Toby Hera, Bobby Bonds, I think is awesome. Obviously Lenny Barker, Mike Hargrove, Rick Manning, all those guys on that team. Uh, So what's that like for you? You, you, you take over, you start in the late seventies, early eighties. You're a, you're a kid taking over in PR. You finally get that dream job. Uh, what are the ropes early on? What's, what's life like as a, as a member of the Cleveland Indians? Well, all I can tell you is I'm not sitting here today if it wasn't for Dwayne Kuyper, uh, Captain Kuype. Yes. Uh, he put his arm around me um, in 1980 when I became PR director at 23 years old because <laughs> Harry Jones chose to retire and wow. Gabe Paul gave me the job. He and Phil Seggy said, kid, go for it. Uh, we like what you've been doing. It's yours. Go for it. Let's see if it works. Didn't take a vacation day for three years. Didn't want him to know that I, <laughs> I wasn't prepared to do this job. But if it wasn't for Dwayne Kuyper, who put his arm around me and said, uh, I'm going to help you navigate a big league clubhouse because this place isn't easy. And if you remember back in the 70s, they were going through a whole lot of player relations issues. Yeah. Lately, almost 30 years of player relations peace in the game of baseball. Um, But back then, 1981, just a couple of years after I started, there's a strike. And then there's another one in the early 90s. So he said, "This, this room, this clubhouse is not easy to navigate. And I'm going to help you. And That's again, awesome. I'm not here today without Dwayne Kuyper taking an interest in me and helping me. Dave Garcia, Jeff Torborg was our first manager. My first year, he gets fired mid-season <laughs> in 1979. And I don't, you know, I'm not used to this sort of thing where all of a sudden a friend of yours who be, you became close yeah. with, um, all of a sudden gets fired from his job as a baseball manager. And, you know, so your head's spinning, but Dave Garcia takes over, who's one of the greatest human beings that ever walked the face of the earth. Loved that man dearly. And he, like Kipe, helped me out. Didn't have to help a young kid out, but he did. Um, in those early years, just some hard-nosed baseball players, as you said, like Toby Hera. Um, it really was an eye-opener because just a couple of years earlier than that, I was a fan sitting, right. paying 50, paying right, 50 sure. cents to sit in the bleachers Whew. and watching these guys play. And now all of a sudden I'm right amongst them all and trying to help them any way I can. And uh, you've got 21-year-old kids coming up trying to show what they're all about. And you've got 36-year-old guys <laughs> who have three kids, some of them teenagers. And so it, it really opened your eyes to what a team, uh, how it comes together, the different age groups, backgrounds, cultures. Um, it's really an amazing um, thing to watch happen in front of you. Like right now we have five different countries yeah. Maybe six. Wow. Represented yeah. on our big league roster. Yeah. So you talk about food and fashion and music and <laughs> culture and the whole bit. 
and how these five these players from five six different countries come together for one reason is to be a team and win sure and how does all that happen how the leadership and all that that to me has been the most exciting dynamic to watch over these years mm. um you know when you see guys from completely different backgrounds sure. um getting along every day from mid-February to hopefully the end of October, almost eight months, they're living together and they don't beat the heck out of one another. <laughs> yeah. Most know. of the time. Most right. of the time. Most, Most of the time. Of the time. <laughs> yeah. well, we've had that. We've, we've had that scenario. Yeah. But with writers like Mel Hall and Paul Hoynes, I remember having to try to oh. get in the middle of that scrum um, until Mel Lenny Hall. Barker and a few others, you know, came over and, took charge because they saw a little guy getting his butt kicked um, <laughs> as he's trying to get Hoinsy and, a, you know, and, and Mel Hall away from each other. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Just, but again, that passion that's involved in the intensity, you know, people who aren't involved in the sport sometimes look at a guy and they say they don't care. And I bristle when I hear that because every one of these athletes, um, that's why they're a professional. That's why they're in the big leagues, either in MLB or NFL, NBA. There's yeah. something inside that makes them incredibly special. That intensity they bring every day, um, they care. They yeah. care an awful lot. Well, let's jump it around and take it to modern baseball here, Bob. Uh, modern Cleveland baseball. You know, you just talked about your experience at the beginning. How did all of these years' experience, these 43 years of experience you have, uh, in PR in baseball, uh, prepare you to change the name of the Cleveland Indians, uh, a name that has been in place for a hundred years. Yeah, that's you know, it's a case study. There's no question. It's in a an incredible case study. Yes, in two areas. One, how does a decision, a major decision, get made? What are the things that intersect? Mm -hmm. that make an organization decide it's time to make a change. And once you determine that, what's the process by which you have to go through to make that change? Our people, I couldn't be more proud to be a part of an organization that came to this realization that it was time to change the name, what we ended up with, how we went about it, all we try to do is the right thing. Yeah. When it comes to dealing with our players, dealing with our fans, presenting Major League Baseball at Progressive Field, what we do in the community with all of our community initiatives, assisting the underserved and the youth of our community, all we try to do is the right thing. And that was the basis of, of this uh, decision. We have a lot of younger leaders in this organization who wanted to do for the first time ever that I can recall in my 40 plus years, wanted to do a deep dive into the discussion mm -hmm. of do we retain the name Indians in this current environment of the world we live in? And so we began a real deep dive <laughs> talking to our players corporate partners, business leaders, corporate sponsors, um, 
the Native American community, of course, our front office personnel. Um, just wanted to have as much dialogue. I think I moderated, I don't know, 15 Zoom sessions with a variety of people around Cleveland, some season ticket holders, some not, um, just to get a sense and a feel for um, their thoughts on this topic. You know, very emotional, um, as you could imagine. Um, but it came down to the realization that no matter what our intent is, mm -hmm. I grew up, as you said, in Lakewood, Ohio, grew up with Chief Wahoo, the yes. Indians. Never once in my life did I ever, ever uh, think negatively yeah. of the Native American um, because the baseball team was named Indians. Um, and so the in, there was no intent to demean the Native American ever, but we learned and heard loudly and clearly that intent is second to impact hmm. and to the Native okay. American yeah. community impact. It truly, truly impacted the Native American community. And so we sat back and said, and we heard that from community leaders, you know, corporate partners, some of our players, um, and so again, the younger leadership group in our building, um, with a deeper dive went to ownership and said, here's our recommendation. Knowing this was not an easy wow. decision for Paul Dolan to make and ended up where, um, Paul said, yep, it, uh, this is the time and we want to do the right thing. And Let's find a name that makes sense. Uh, that process, 1,400 names, every one of them already owned by somebody else. <laughs> yep. 1,400 There wasn't names. some name that oh. popped out of the sky and said, hey, that should be the new yeah, tree. Got it. That doesn't work. Yeah, you guys that, totally that missed out work. by not calling the Cleveland Garage beers. <laughs> oh, right. yeah, exactly. 1400 that had to be on the list somewhere yeah well i, I mean you guys I, probably have it copyrighted and would have charged a whole lot of money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i, I mean I, so, get that, man. I couldn't imagine you guys coming like coming out and saying oh yeah this process was just so easy yeah oh guardians <laughs> that was it guardians yeah the complexities Ooh. were absolutely enormous uh in this process and once we settled in on the name um, that we felt really resonated with those of us in the office and, and um, we thought would resonate with our fans just because of the, the meaning of the word guardians, you know, loyalty and strength and all the things that, you know, you look for in a name for a sports team. Um, the happy coincidences that followed such as behind home plate at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario, the guardians of transportation right. on the bridge. That was a happy coincidence. Once we identify the name. Wait, 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 then, wait, what? That was a happy, well, that you, was a coincidence. Oh yeah. You people. It's so interesting how the media had taken what? this, that we named ourselves after statues on the bridge. We've had columnists, who have covered us for 30 years, all of a sudden wrote columns that how could the Indians name themselves after a bridge? It's like, we, 
Where, where did you hear that? We didn't, we never uttered those words. We never said that. It's a coincidence, a happy coincidence, just like the D I A N S at the end of Indians, right. at the end yeah. of Guardians. Yeah. Another happy coincidence. It, it just blew me away the way some people um, responded to the name change and, and either wanted to be funny with it or whatever. But um, we were obviously very familiar with the guardians of transportation. Sure. We, we were focused on the name guardians, not the bridge, not the statue. It just happens to be a nice coincidence for us um, that should work for us, actually, as the years uh, grow along here with that name. If we want to do that, we would call it the Cleveland Bridge Statues. <laughs> that was on the list. That was one of 1,400. That was there. Yeah, that, well, no, actually, that wasn't on the list of 1,400. But I will tell you that there are people in our organization that are going to be going to MBA schools, business schools, uh, other colleges, and giving seminars on this case study. And, and how do you change a brand that you've had for 100 plus years? Um, what is the decision making? And once you do have the decision um, made, how do you go about the process? And again, couldn't be more proud of the people that uh, were involved in day one of that entire project. Um, I think we hit a home run with the name. I'm fully in support. Anybody who heard me at a Kiwanis, a Rotary, a Chamber of Commerce lunch for 40 years, I always answer <laughs> week about our name um, saying there will come a time when we are no longer the Indians. Yeah. And I don't know when that will be, if it's in my lifetime as an employee, in my lifetime <laughs> on earth, but we will not be. And again, I've been saying that for four decades, it just so happens that the events of the world made that decision and the intersection of the decision um, happen um, where we made that announcement. They're like, we got to do this before Bobby D decides he's not working here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like he needs to yeah. be a part of this. Now, one of the yeah. things we talked about, listen, we, we, we went through the, we were having a great time with it on the podcast uh, because it was inevitable. And then the, the announcement happened and we started going through a list of names and uh, it always kind of sure. came back to guardians and it, it, that that's, that was there. Uh, uh, one of the things that I think was such, I don't know how this got thought out, but I thought it was a great move. You guys just kind of ripped the bandaid off. There was no, like, there was no big announcement. There was a little couple leaks in the media. You started seeing a little smoke, like, oh, this could be happening sooner than later. But there wasn't this big, like, oh, draw back the curtain on this day, seven months from now and all that. It just was like a video got put out on Twitter, Twitter. And it was like, hey, we're the guardians now. Right. I thought, what was the what the thought process behind that? I thought that was just a, a, a an awesome idea. Well, yeah, you sit around and you talk about how are we going to do this? What's the best way? Um, when we were able to secure Tom Hanks to do the narration. Yes. Um, I think that also changed a little bit of the process of let's just on social media throw out the video which I thought was incredibly awesome by our people, yeah. um, Nick, 
you know, Nick Gambone and Steve Asbury and our production crew. Um, we didn't go to Hollywood and, and ask somebody to put a, a video together for us. Our guys who do our ball games 81 times a year and hopefully more with October baseball, um, they put the video together and we got Tom to, to do the narration uh, and the Black Keys to help out with the, the music. And we thought, this is powerful. And that's all we need to do. Let's just get it out there and let people absorb it on their own time frame. Some people, you know, it was amazing once we put it out to just sit by your phone and look at text coming in, Twitter responses coming in, emails coming in as throughout the day, people doing their own business when they embraced it, when they were able to connect with it. And I think brilliant move by our uh, communications and marketing department to, as you said, instead of shooting off cannons and fireworks and all of that, great, just let it flow and introduce the name in that manner and just let it percolate. And uh, again, and then later in the day, have a formal press conference. Um, again, I thought it worked wonderfully. Tom Hanks, we know you're listening. Uh, obviously, if you yeah. want to come on and talk about that with us, please just uh, shoot us <laughs> he, an email. He's, he's been just an absolute <laughs> remarkable man. Yeah. I will share. I will share this with you because I had the privilege of dealing with him. Um for about four to six weeks, emailing him back and forth and back and forth as we were going through this whole process and putting the script together. And just to tell you what kind of remarkable man he is, uh, how gracious and generous of his time. You know, there were some people who sat there and I wonder how much the Indians paid him. Well, we didn't pay him anything. He did it for free. Nice. He he did it because he loves Cleveland baseball. For those who don't know his history, he was an intern at the Great Lakes Shakespeare Festival at Lakewood, Ohio, at my high school, um, (laughs) was host to Great Lakes Shakespeare Festival in the summertime. And as a 19-year-old intern, that's where his life started. So he did the Great Lakes Shakespeare Festival at Lakewood High School, and he sat in the bleachers for 50 cents at Cleveland Stadium because he had no money. That's how he became a tribe fan. You know, he's from Oakland. Right. Um, And so he became an Indians fan because that was his age of growing up and diving into the craft that he ended up becoming one of the greatest at in the history of filmmaking. Um, But it started in Lakewood, Ohio, at Lakewood High School, and that love affair with us. So he's like, I'm honored to do it. I'm traveling in Greece the whole month of July, I'll get to my phone and long story short, he gives us four versions of the script and says, tell me which one you like. And I will hopefully get to a better microphone to do that version for you. Now, Tom Hanks could have done one version right over his phone, sent it to us and said, this is amazing. That's, that's it. That's all you go, guys. Hope it works. Yeah. But that's not the kind of man he is. That's not the kind of human being he is. He gave us four. 
And we picked the one and I went back to him and I said, you're on vacation, you're traveling with your wife through Greece. Um, we couldn't be more appreciative and the one version um, that we like is incredibly workable over your phones audio yep so we're good to go and so when i sent him um the email when the video was done with the news release and told him the plan of attack and how we're going to do it um he sent back a note saying the video is fabulous i've got guardian's fever yeah. Go on, Tom. All right. Wow. Let's go. All right. And then, honestly, two, three hours later, he sends me another email that just says, so how's the reaction? How are things going? I mean, he was cool. that invested. Come on. Yeah. And just think that the two guys I mentioned and a, a, a lady in our office, Tara Hewitt, who wrote the script, beautiful words. Um as soon as he sent me the note about the video is fabulous, I sent that email to those guys. Yeah, oh yeah. Saying, you know, an Academy Award winner uh, just thought the world of your guys' work. So right. feel good about yourself. Let's go. <laughs> That's so cool. That'd be yeah. it. I'd probably be like, you know what? I think I have to quit. I think I have to quit. I'm done. <laughs> Retiring. It's been, I'm, I know I'm only 27, right. but I'm out of here. Uh, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Or at least you go off to the corner and cry a little bit. So, hey, this is <laughs> and unbelievable. By the corner, you mean the corner bar, and you mean drink a, a bunch yeah. of beers to celebrate. Or, I need a minute. Or around a minute. the corner in Lakewood. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite thing about Tom Hanks. He always says his favorite restaurant when he lived in Cleveland was Mary Arts, the pub on yeah. Detroit Road in Lakewood. Uh, Mondays and Thursday nights, best tacos. There you go. Best tacos. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, you guys made so many good decisions. Uh, and for the most part, listen, again, there's the people that are just crotchety. You can't yeah. change the name Indians. Uh, you're changing history. Absolutely. Blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, I loved uh, a lot of the things you did. The, 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 the new C, I think, is really cool. Uh, it's not a block C. It's a, it's a cool looking C. There's been feedback, so I just want to hear your your uh, opinion on this. So I'm I'm like nervous to even ask the question, but I'm just going for no, it. No, about the logo. About the logo. Yeah, yeah. No, there there's people who like it, people who don't. People want it to be more forceful, and I think over the course of the next few years, you'll see iterations of a new logo that may you know some people may end up liking more or less or who knows. But that's all part of it is uh, you're not going to please everybody. Um, but, hey, we've got jerseys to sell. So three, four years from now, we'll have a hey. <laughs> <laughs> You know how that goes. How many, how many different jersey styles with the silver trim and this and that over the course of the years with box C and script? Bob, I got and, kids. I got kids. Yeah. I can't afford all this. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there's no question that uh, – you know, we heard that loudly and clearly from some. Uh, Twitter had a whole lot of fun with it. Um, social media had a ton of fun with um, the logo and people, incredibly creative people out yeah. there providing their thoughts as to what the logo should look like. I mean, it, to me, it was it was awesome. It, for one thing, it 
it made me feel, okay, people have actually moved on, that they understand that the move was made, right. it's done. So let's move forward. And as they move forward, one of their thoughts was, well, here's what I think the logo should look like. And again, there were some terrifically creative um, examples that were sent our way. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. It gave me major, major, major league vibes. The G, like the G with the ball. Like, is that like a happy coincidence too? But that's what, what are all these happy me? coincidences? That gave me. And that we, have, we live by happy coincidences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way life should be. Right. Yes. should be a happy coincidence. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really asked that question of our, our art department, uh, the marketing, branding people, if they were trying to get that vibe going um my sense is probably not but uh, was that so was that all in-house you know well everything we hired a company we hired a company outside to do the logo got it got yeah it, got so it. that was done by somebody else with our people in charge um but i don't know if you are aware of this but i had script approval of the movie major league come on Come yeah. on! What? Yeah, yeah. You did and great, Bob. You script, did great. <laughs> I had script. I had script approval of the movie Moneyball of the Indians-related issues. Yeah, I'll never forget with Major League though. <laughs> Hank Peters is our president at the time. His secretary buzzes me in my office and said, "Hey, can you come?" And Hank wants to talk to you for a second. So I go running back to Hank's office. And he's got a stack of paper on his desk about that high. And he pushes it towards me and he goes, for some reason, the people at Major League Baseball think it's a good idea <laughs> that uh, they do a movie about us. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, you ever watch The Sting, the movie The Sting? I said, well, of course. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Oh, no. He goes, well, the gentleman... Uh, who was the Academy Award winner, the writer, producer, director, David Ward, grew up in Shaker Heights, big tribe fan, has written this baseball movie. So here you go. Have fun with it. My gosh. So this guy does The Sting and Major League and a number of other films, of course. Um, And so back then, you know, I'm going through the script with a red pen. They said, do your stuff in a red pen. And ship it to us. So I ship it back and he gets on the phone and we go over it and there didn't change anything that I asked. <laughs> I, I was like, are you kidding me? There's no tags on lockers when guys are cut right spring training. Right. You know, you don't cut somebody with a tag on a locker and they go, we know that. It's just Hollywood. So those little things. Uh, there was a Rocky Calavito reference that I said, you cannot do that to my man, Rocky. Mm-mm. No way. Wow. And he, he took a little reference out that they did. Um, and behind the but, scenes on that. So we had, a, we had a blast working with them, getting the uh, film, having the premiere here in town at uh, Playhouse Square. Big party um, at the Galleria. Um that was that was really one of the. Our whole team was there at the premiere <laughs> with Willie Mays. It was Hayes. It, was, uh, it was one of the more fun fun aspects of, of this job. I can honestly tell. Oh, that is what a story forever! That's that awesome. You, that you were, yeah, a part yeah. of that. Uh, 
I do have one quick question for you. I, we want to talk a little bit about the stadium because, wow. But um, this ballpark? Yeah. But, okay. Well, don't you can't call it a stadium. Oh, sorry. A ballpark. It's my a ballpark. Far, my far, the field. That thing down on the lake, that thing down on the lake's a stadium where we used to play. I stand corrected. We are an intimate baseball only ballpark. We would like to talk to you about your intimate baseball only ballpark. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, hey, I'm up for that. But yeah. we did. So we asked you, uh, and I think your answer was awesome. And that's what I've been selling people. Like uh, we asked you about the logo. And that's what I've been telling people. If, if there's enough feedback, they're going to go, okay, well, maybe we got to look at this. Uh, and so nothing's set in stone regarding that. I have to call you out on another questionable thing. Well, it's set in stone for the next for now, few years. For now. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I have to call you out on another questionable thing that happened on your watch. And this was way earlier in your career. This was yeah. in like the very beginning of the 1980s. There was a thing called the Cleveland baseball bug. <laughs> Whose idea was that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I'll, I'll back it up to a great story that our promotions department decides that we're going to get the San Diego chicken to come to Cleveland stadium for the first time ever. So we do this deal and Gabe Paul sits there. Our president and says, you're telling me we're going to pay this person to get into a chicken costume and we're going to pay them $10,000 to have an appearance fee. There's no way in the world. And I said, well, that's his going rate. The minor league teams are paying him that. And Gabe comes up with this idea. You tell him we're going to pay him 5000 and I'll give him a dollar for every person over um, our normal attendance, which was something like 18,000 people. <laughs> no. We get 37,000 people. <laughs> That was a bad and deal. Now Gabe is he's he's livid. He's just and now the chicken, the chicken's um show is he doesn't appear until like the bottom of the second inning. You know, he wants people to wonder where is he? He's looking around the ballpark. Where is that? What's going on? And he decided at our place he's gonna get on the roof of Cleveland oh, Stadium. God. And just walk around the roof by the light towers and see if anybody notices him up there in the bottom of the. Well, I get a phone call on the top of the second inning from Gabe Paul sitting in the press box. Where the hell is that chicken? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Gabe, he's doing his entrance. The hell with his blankety blank blank entrance. You get his ass out there in the crowd right now. Oh. We're paying him a lot of money and he <laughs> fires the phone down. And so I look up and in right field, and all of a sudden I see him. And now the buzz around the ballpark and people are pointing. And then he got down on the field and did his thing. And oh my God, it's one of the things we talked about. All the people who worked for the Indians at that time, anytime we see each other, we always just look and go, chicken. Remember the chicken? Gabe <laughs> Paul paid this guy instead of 10 grand. He ended up paying him like twenty five of oh the most my, he ever oh made. Gosh. <laughs> was, oh god! Where's the chicken? I don't know. He's. Up, I think he's on the roof. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. For twenty five so, grand, the chicken's walking on the roof. Yeah. So we decide. Well, we should think about this. So we do Tom E. Hawk. 
we do the baseball <laughs> bug the baseball bug was a young lady oh. who came from the barnum bailey ringling brothers circus in florida the academy that they had oh my gosh um, for people to be in circuses and in, in different outfits clown outfits etc and now all of a sudden the mascot craze is going on and so that thing was pretty hot and heavy for people who thought, well, this could be, you know, the chicken Ted Giannoulis is making some money here. I'm going to get one of these costumes and, and, and do it. <laughs> and she slipped on the top of the dugout during a rain delay and blew out oh. her ACL. And, oh, my God. So, yeah. It, it's a dangerous place to be in Cleveland if you're a mascot. It didn't, yeah, it, it didn't go well until... <laughs> gentleman by the name of Dennis Lehman, who was our executive vice president of business, um, right from our Cleveland Stadium days, transitioning into um, progressive field here, um, came from the Phillies and was part of the crew that created the Philly Fanatic with this company out in New York. And so when he came in, he scrapped the base bug and the um Tommy Hawk and all that so and said we're gonna do this the right way oh, gosh. and uh he created uh, with the company out of New York Slider I think that was 1990 mm -hmm. and uh um, Slider's been a big hit ever since he was at Slider came to my fifth birthday party in 1990 oh, I like it his first year as a as a mascot uh, yeah uh okay so let's talk a little bit about your intimate baseball watching facility ballpark uh, that sits yes. at the corner of Carnegie <laughs> in Ontario. Let's talk a little bit about progressive field because the other thing that was announced, uh, there's paranoia in the city for such good reason, right? We, we lost the Browns <laughs> many years ago. There's paranoia that there's always another team that's going to leave. And yeah. until it was announced that there was an extension on the lease, the paranoia was the Indians are going to try to leave. Uh, we got our, our my, my buddy Joey here. He lives in Nashville. It was like, oh, they're going to Nashville. This is what's going to happen. <laughs> they signed the lease. And not only do they do you guys extend the lease, uh, but then you announce more ballpark renovations uh, and additions. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I just read an article about this. They, they, you know, it was just one of those clickbait articles, like best stadiums out there. And, and Progressive Field's always like top 10. And it's right. And it's stunning to me that it's a 30 year old ballpark almost. And well, it, we're eighth oldest. Yeah. Wow. And it feels, yeah. uh, you know, you watch Texas, Texas opened what two years before <laughs> a year, a year before. Yeah. Um, and they're already in a new ballpark. Now, yeah. granted they do things crazy down there, but no, actually uh, let me take that back. Texas and us opened the same year. That's what I thought the year, the year before Chicago and Baltimore, Baltimore. Oh, okay. Yes. Baltimore and Chicago opened, and then there were four brand new ones. We were um, one of the four, and typical around the country when all of a sudden the revenue generation um, yeah. provided us the financial wherewithal to put a championship caliber team on the field. Because at that time, our payroll with Albert and Kenny oh, yeah. and Sandy and Carlos and Omar and Manny, Charlie Nagy and all that was only $55 million. Um, and the Yankees were at like 63. Right. And then five, six years later, the Yankees can jump to $190 million because of different revenue streams, the 
um, rights holders, cable television, um, that issue, sports marketing, and our market size could maybe get to a $90 million to $100 million payroll just because there aren't enough eyes or ears in our uh, market areas there are in the major markets, of course. Um, and so all of a sudden, um, we're walking into this building with a team that just thumped people. Oh. And that, oh. was, that was one of the greatest periods of time. People don't truly realize um, never before in the history of baseball did a baseball team sell out a season. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And that's selling out the first month and selling tickets as the season would go on. We sold out before game one. Yes. Wow. The whole year. We remember. I remember I remember the lines, the day tickets would yeah. go on sale. Just it was crazy. It was just the convergence of five things that will never ever happen again. Um came together to create this incredible anomaly that all of a sudden were sold out for five straight years. Never happened at Wrigley, never happened at Fenway prior to us. It did happen afterwards Mm -hmm. at Fenway. Um, Denver also got in the craze of sellouts when they opened up their brand new ballpark, Um, but it never in the 100 plus his, year history of baseball, it never happened, and all of a sudden it happens in Cleveland, Ohio. But again, there were things that happened that will never happen again for something like that to occur. Um, but it was just such an incredible feeling yeah. for those of us oh, in yeah. our building to present Major League Baseball to the fans of Cleveland in such a beautiful way with a brand new. Baseball only ball. Baseball only intimate Baseball watching only. facility. Intimate, close knit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Bob. Yeah, when I look back on those teams, it, it's just it gets crazy. Like people don't realize, like Manny batted seventh in that lineup. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Like, and Manny, Manny can go down. I would argue with anybody over a beer in a garage. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, um, that Manny in his generation was the greatest right-handed hitter of his generation. Yes. Now, you could argue Miguel Cabrera, of course, um, is part of that uh, generation. Um, Now, you've got Barry Bonds and and Ken Griffey Jr. and a couple others maybe on the left side. Um, But I, watching Manny work Mm -hmm. as hard as he did with Albert as hard as he did and Jim Tomey, these guys worked their tails off, hit for hours till their hands were raw in spring training. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't natural. A certain ability is natural for an athlete, but they worked their tails off. My favorite thing, um, my favorite thing become, about Manny was watching him run the bases. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> it, was yeah. it was like, but, please just let it go over the fence. Yeah, I mean, it. just watching that team in action, they had an attitude of, we're going to kick your ass tonight, especially when you come into our sold-out ballpark. Uh, 
Oh my God. There was nothing better. Albert Bell, Lee Smith, Grand Slam. Oh, just the greatest. Oh Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's the other thing people don't realize about those teams. And then I'm going to ask you about the the intimate ballpark. Uh, The Indians at at one point in the nineties were like the top selling merchandise team in the league. I remember, I remember being in New York city and seeing more Indians hats on trains than New York Yankees hats. Well, it was weird because as the movie major league came out and got real hot in the early nineties, all of a sudden in Europe, there's nothing but chief Wahoo. hats. <laughs> it's got us on the, on the list of being one of the top selling um, teams in pro sports. And we're like, what is the phenomenon around that? And then all of a sudden you get really good and you're playing in October with guys like Eddie Murray and, and some uh. really, Dave Winfield, some big time names, but also the up and coming guys like Omar and Kenny and, and uh, that whole crew. Um, and yeah, our, uh, uh, we were the hot item at the time. So let's go back to the ballpark real quick, because from the time it opened until now, there's been improvements. There's been changes. Yeah. Uh, you put in one of the, the coolest video boards. Uh, I think what you guys did the last time you did a major renovation was one of the cooler things. We're putting in all those local restaurants and the bar and all that stuff. Insanely popular stuff. So for those Tribe fans or future Guardians fans who maybe haven't seen the plans yet for what uh, 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 what's planned for the stadium, what if you could just fill us in a little bit, what should we be expecting from the stadium there? Well, I think the biggest one, and I don't know if we are 100% sure exactly what we're going to do with it, but the Terrace Club. Hmm. So down the left field line, um, that whole area needs a complete refresh. Um, when we opened up in 94, it was a membership-only right. restaurant right. that had two sittings. And as we were selling out, people would come to the ballpark, have dinner in a air-conditioned area, watch batting practice, then go to their seats. Then the other group would come in right at game time and hang out as long as they wanted. Um, But you had to be a member. And that process, that amenity had lost its luster over the course of 25 years. It just isn't the same. Um, so when we became 25 years old, we sat and discussed what do we need to do for our fans? What do we need to do for our younger fans? Um, and the social gathering concept. So we went to our architect and said, what are you doing around the world? That's you're building in facilities today that we don't have. And it was all the social gathering. And never in my mind would I've ever thought <laughs> that we would sell a ticket with no section number, no row number, and no seat number. And all of a sudden, in front of the corner bar and right field <laughs> with the drink rails, that's free-for-all. It, there's no section number, row numbers, and it's the most popular spot in our building. So how do we recreate that? We did a little bit of it in left field in front of the home run porch area. And how are we going to handle the Terrace Club? And then wanting to try to create an experience in the upper deck 
where you can actually walk from the left field foul pole to the right field foul pole and not miss a single pitch and not watching it on a monitor. How do we open that up? Still have seats above a walkway. Yes. And how do you keep that experience that you're not watching it on television as you go to the concession stand or, and how does, how do we handle that um, area of the ballpark? Um, But our renovations with the 13 different local restaurants, the corner bar, uh, Heritage Park, the bigger area in center field. I think it works. You know, we have to figure out what we're going to do up in right field. The cargo boxes, you know, um, are going to be, are going to be addressed for sure um, as part of the renovation and what we do exactly up there um, to benefit our fan um, is all in discussion. So, but I think we have a track record where whatever we do, I think people are going to enjoy and they're going to enjoy it. Hopefully they realize, as I stated maybe an hour ago, all we try to do is the right thing. Yes. And in this scenario is what's right for the fan of today and the fan of the next 20 years. What are they going to want? And that's where architects and designers who have a pulse for this sort of thing are going to work with us and be partners of ours to not only make changes that are cool for today, um, but for the next 20 some years, because this ballpark, um, while it needs some infrastructure assistance and help uh, because of its age, um, we're not out looking for a whole brand new building because this is still a pretty cool place to come. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And it's a, it's a point of pride for all of us Indians fans. So this is what happens. See, Bob, we talked about it a little bit before we came on, you come on, you tell some of the best stories we've had. And all of a sudden we look down and it's like, Oh, an hour has passed. And we told Bob, we'd be out in like 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, I'm going to ask, I'm going to end this on one last question because uh, uh, you you've been through so much with the Indians and you are so ingrained in the organization and what the guardians will become and all that stuff. What is your, what is just, this is such a softball question, but what is, what's your favorite part of your job? Well, the challenge every day that it, you know, a, the challenge, but what we mean to people, you know, for everybody wants to talk in terms of sports as if you don't win a world series or you don't win a Super Bowl, then you failed. <laughs> and for those people, the 99% who are sports fans, they absolutely know that it has to be about more than just wins and losses to keep me passionately connected year after year for my entire lifetime, passing it on to my children. My mom and dad or aunt or uncle passed it on to me. Now I'm passing and that's more than just wins and losses. And so what we're able to do uh, to connect generations, what we do in the community to again, help the underserved and, and promote the game of baseball and to be there when we have 
an issue like the digital divide when kids had to go to do virtual schooling. And we learned Cleveland, Ohio has the fourth worst connectivity of mm. any urban center in America. Wow. And now these kids aren't going to school. So what can we do? We're a, a company of maybe 400 or so, including 175 athletes. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're not a huge company, but what can we do? Because we're such a public face of our community. And we dove in and were able to assist with our vendors, um, with resources, finances, and an ownership who wants to help. Um, we were able to really make uh, inroads on allowing kids in the city of Cleveland to be connected for their schooling during the pandemic. Um, that's the coolest part of the job is what we mean to people, uh, how we go about doing the right thing in our community, and then having been uh, a baseball player and the son of a coach, um, watching these athletes do what they do, you know, <laughs> to see a Fran Mill Reyes, yes, you know, almost hit the scoreboard. To see to see Mark McGuire hit the scoreboard, um, it I just marvel at what it takes for these guys to play every day. They're, I know this will sound so weird. And I say this when I, I do speaking appearance, if you ever had a chance to see a baseball player naked, <laughs> <laughs> if you ever had a chance, their bodies are black and blue, right? They're black and blue from playing and <laughs> playing every day for 162 days, 100, well, 185 days, uh, they play 162 games. It beats the hell out of them. Yeah. And the way they come back every day and, and have the intensity and do the athletic things that they can do, that's part of the job. I just, I'll never um, get tired of seeing athletes do things. I'll never forget an old time scout said to me once because I asked him, I said, I don't see what you're seeing. I, my dad was a coach. I've been around sports. I was cleaning footballs and helmets at Lakewood High School's <laughs> locker room when I was five years old. Yes. So my dad was a coach. I was shagging fly balls for Lakewood High when I was seven years old. I was picking up basketballs at practice. I, I've been around it my whole life, and I, I don't see what you see. And we talked about the nuances, but he said something to me, and I'll never forget. He goes, if you ever see an athlete do something once, believe they can do it twice. Wow. Which was interesting to me. Hmm. Um, you, it, it's, it was just an interesting from an old-time scout that, you know, seeing a guy run down a fly ball or hit a ball a ton or whatever, a young kid, um, just say, believe that that kid could do that again that he could do that twice. And that always stuck with me. Um, There's so many cool things about being involved in this industry. And again, our role in the community, um, working for the people that I work for, the Dolan um, ownership, they're the, the kindest, nicest, um, committed, dedicated to our city people that you ever want to meet. All this nonsense when people talk about payroll and they don't understand that 
Nobody in the American League the last eight years has won more games than us. You know, people look at that, they go, what? And I go, yeah. Look at our statistics, our wins. Nobody in the American League has won more regular season games than the Cleveland Indians combined in the last eight years. There's only one team in all of baseball. The Dodgers have won more games than us. Wow. We're number two in all of baseball. Not the Yankees, not the Red Sox, who spent $800 million more than us on players during that time. And the fact we just came off a pandemic where we're built on ticket sales and concessions, and we had zero dollars on that budget line because nobody could come to the ballpark in 2020. So we made zero dollars off tickets and concessions. And they wonder why our payroll had to dip for financial stability for a year. And they think it's the end of the world. And we still have a team that's competing if our whole rotation didn't go down. <laughs> so now you got me fired up talking about uh, <laughs> I was like, ball club wait and, a minute. And they should, people should celebrate the fact that we have ownership that spends a whole lot of money in the right places instead of on one player. We spend our money on every state-of-the-art resource at every minor league ballpark, our Dominican Academy, our state-of-the-art facility in Goodyear. There's a reason why we're considered the one of the best pitching ninja schools around. <laughs> we can bring kids up that just perform. It's because we provide and spend the money on every resource possible to make them the best they can be. So long-winded answer to there's so much to enjoy about what we do, um, but our role in the community, what we mean to people, to see grandkids and grandparents at the ballpark, I'm going to start to cry. (laughs) No crying in the garage. There's no crying, (laughs) Bob. There's no crying. I was waiting for that. Tom Hanks would tell you there's no crying. (laughs) (laughs) i set you up i put it right on the tee for you that's about (laughs) the only way i can hit a ball at this point in my life is if you set it on a tee right in front of me i love it all right bob well i think that is pretty much going to wrap it up uh this was awesome the stories are incredible uh we have and i feel like we didn't even hardly scratch any part of the surface So we may be reaching out to you again, Bob, to see if we want to talk a little baseball again in the future. But Bob DiBiasio, uh, Senior Vice President of Public Affairs for the Cleveland Indians. Again, go follow him on Twitter. He puts some fun stuff on there every once in a while at BDBaseball6. Bobby D, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for everything you do for the city, the team, the passion you have for the team. Uh, It it is very much appreciated. Well, thank you, Michael, Chad, Joey. My pleasure. It was a ton of fun. Let's do it again, please. And our thank you once again goes out to Bob DiBiasio, the head of PR for the Cleveland Indians, soon to be the Cleveland Guardians. Find him on Twitter at BDBaseball6, at BDBaseball6 on Twitter. He puts up some good things on there, some good stories or pictures with old players or whatever. But, man, guys, uh, we've got to start just to to kind of recap that interview a little bit. I love, like, the gratitude I feel for him just coming out and being willing to just talk about the, the name change and how it came Everything. about the logo. Yeah. When I brought up, I was so nervous to bring up the logo. And he was like, you want to ask me about the logo, don't you? Like he just was so open and told us what happened and how it happened, how it went down. Just, it was, it was, that was awesome. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, you, you know, when it, it, an executive like that comes on, you know, you kind of, you kind of uh, try to beat around the bush a little bit because you have no idea how they're going to react. But right. you know, Bob, Bob was just so open and yeah, I mean, he just, he told you how it was. I mean, that this is the way it is. Why, why, why talk around it? And that's what happened. And yeah, I, I love everything about it. I loved, I loved his candor. I loved God. Some of those stories that he had, Mike, were just, they were great. But I also thought it was so, I thought the story of the name change, like yeah. it's, it's, it's been, it's been a thing for a long time. He talked about speaking and, and always saying like one day they won't be the Indians. And he's been saying it for, he said uh, his whole career basically. Yeah. But it just took a group of young people in the office that took up the cause and said, listen, we think this should move forward. And they put it on Dolan's desk and they went with it. Like just uh, uh, again, an in-depth look at what's going on with the team at how they got to the guardians. My only thing, and Bob, if you listen back to this, I'm sorry to call you out on this. But my only thing that I do not believe that Bob DiBiasio told us, the only thing that I don't believe is that the, the Guardians was a happy accident. <laughs> yeah. No way. No way. No way. Yeah. I, Bob, I respect you like no other. I think you are awesome. And I want to have you on again. And we could, maybe we have to talk this out. But there's no way that the Guardians was a happy accident that like, they, you just didn't know right across the street was the Guardians. You had to have known. I mean, there had to have been some part that you like. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't decide on guardians and not go. Oh, really? There's statues across the street. <laughs> really? I wasn't <laughs> like buying that, Bob. Bob. I wasn't buying. I bought everything else you said, but I'm not buying that. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, our our big time thank you goes out to uh, Bob DiBiase. Again, go follow him at BD Baseball Six on Twitter for more stuff. Uh, and, uh, and guys, we're, we're getting down to it, uh, where we've just got a few more Indians games left. The Cleveland Indians, this upcoming weekend is the last ever Cleveland Indians home game. Uh, Uh and, uh, and then, and I'm going, uh, so if you're listening to this, I'll be down to the ball game with my son. Uh, it's a double header again, uh, Thursday. So if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, uh, I'll be down at the game. I'm taking Patrick to the second game of the double header. Uh, just to say I went to one last Indians game, uh, which I think is going to be cool. But uh, yeah, boys, coming down to the end of it. The season's almost over, thankfully, for this season. Although I will say this. You guys have heard me rail on and on. And, and you know I disagree with what Bob said at the end of that interview, too, about winning in the regular season and blah, 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 blah. But I will say this. It's not been a good Indian season. But like they've been about a 500 team. Yeah. You know, they've been about a 500 team. They weren't and atrocious. They weren't atrocious. No. They had they had moments of atrocities. They had moments of being terrible. Yeah. Uh, but then they had really great moments. And they're going to finish 500. And hopefully next year, healthy. And Bob DiBiaseo did hint, boys, that uh, this the payroll shouldn't look like this moving forward. He did hint at that in, in, the, uh, in the interview. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully with some added payroll and some moves made. Uh, you take a 500 team and you turn them into a competitor again. So it hasn't been that bad. No, no, I, I mean, not terrible, but not good. I mean, it, it, that's just the thing is the Indians, the Indians only have like a, a finite amount of time before this city forgets about them. And that's when Brown's training camp starts. And, and I mean, if they're just sitting there playing mediocre baseball, which they, they kind of have throughout the entire year, 
this the, the city kind of forgets about them and you know uh, and, and, and yeah i don't know <laughs> well the good news is season's about over uh yeah. but i think there's a lot to look forward to get some yeah. new merch get some new merch this off season and uh hopefully some new players for that merch and players that's what we're looking forward to for the baseball team and uh mm-hmm. and again uh if you get a chance go down and check out one of the last ever cleveland indians games it's the end of an era and it's an exciting start to a new era. So uh, real quick, before we get out of here, just a couple things we want to bring up. Uh, we haven't really touched too much on the fact that the Cleveland Browns this last week got the first win of the season yeah. uh, by defeating the Houston Texans in um, a less than satisfying victory for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. the, the Browns win 31 to 21 in a game that was close in a game that they were lucky yeah. to be tied at halftime. And then they came out and, and played better in the second half. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Here's my thoughts on it. And then I'll let you guys chime in. Right. I'm, I'm more satisfied. I feel like than what everybody else is. Uh, anytime, anytime you play another NFL team, whether it's the Detroit lions or the Houston Texans or the Jacksonville Jaguars or whatever, or it's the Kansas city chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens or whatever. Um, you win by 10. You, you, you did fine. You did fine. Mm-hmm. I, this does not mean that there aren't areas for the team to work on, and we can get into those areas because there are most certainly areas for the team to work on to be better. But ultimately, the Cleveland Browns didn't play their cleanest game, and they won by 10 points. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. taking that all day. I will take that ugly. I will take ugly wins over pretty losses any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of this for a lot of fans is, is, is a product of all of the hype. You know, it, this is uh, a Browns team that it has high expectations. The bar is high this year. And if, it, if this team doesn't perform to those expectations, to, that, to where that bar is set, I think a lot of fans are uh, tend to overreact. And, you know, and the fact is that this is, you know, the, the second year. In a system, there's a lot of new faces on the other side of the football this year. So, uh, you know, that other side of the football, uh, you know, has to learn how to play together. So, uh, you know, it, it, it just just kind of like last year, you know, the defense was kind of thrown together, but that offense was kind of, you know, learning a new system, learning a new scheme, you know, finding their rhythm, which they did by the end of the year. And but but because of that, the bar is so high that it, it feels like that this defense that a lot of people aren't giving this defense the time. And a lot of people are, you know, I saw a lot of people online calling for Joe Woods' head after after that game, which is is unfair. Uh, questions are legit, but it's also unfair because there's eight new faces, and this team needs time to gel, like we talked about in the post game, Mike. So yeah, I, I I think that a lot of people not really happy with this win are going psycho because of the uh, of the product of the hype that this team was getting in the offseason. Yeah, and listen, I. That again, I know the defense didn't play great, and and to me, the biggest thing for them to work on, Chad, I'll let you chime in, and Joe, you too, man. Uh, uh, Chad, you played football, so I'm interested to hear your take. Uh, for me, the biggest scheme problem defensively, the biggest thing for them to work on, because I've got I've got three or four things that I want to talk about that are really great, but mm-hmm. the, my biggest thing for them to work on is the scheme. It doesn't match itself. Like there's a conflict within the defensive scheme. And here's what the conflict is. You have a tremendously talented defensive line. 
a talented defensive line that can get quarterback pressure constantly. Yeah. When you are going to rely on those defensive linemen to get pressure right now, it feels like the other teams are having an easy time game planning the Browns defense because the Mm -hmm. game plan against the Browns defense is take the underneath stuff, take the quick passes, take the stuff that they're giving you because Mm -hmm. what's happening is the defensive players are playing such a soft zone. The defensive backs are playing such a soft zone that Mm -hmm. the quarterbacks are able to get back and get the ball out three-step drop and get it out. And the defensive line has no, no chance to really disrupt any plays. Right. And so the, the, the scheme seems to be fighting with itself. And what it, what it feels like it needs to be is you need to trust that Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward are as good as they are because they are as good as they are. Get them right. up on these guys. Make, make it take a little more time to run routes, and you're going to see those sack numbers jump off the charts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're yeah, – is no. that like are you noticing the same thing, Chad? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, it, it, the thing is that Joe Woods is, is – the defense he is calling right now is very vanilla. He's rushing four and, and dropping seven. I mean, that's exact. I mean, it's exactly what he's doing right now. And he's not, he's, he's really isn't disguising anything. Uh, he's not getting exotic with anything because it was clear, especially on some of the replays that the communication in the defensive backfield isn't really there right now. Isn't really where it's supposed to be. <laughs> and I don't know if he is, excuse me. I don't know if he's keeping <sighs> it as, but ah, I don't know if he's keeping it that vanilla just until those problems get worked out. And, and I guess that's, or if if he just if he just doesn't trust his players because last year I think that was a big thing for him I just I don't think he trusted the players that he had back there and rightfully so because they weren't anywhere near as talented as the players he has on this team but when you have the veterans that you brought in that when you have the experience that you brought in I, I think you can afford to be a little bit more aggressive I think you can afford to be a little bit more. Uh, I, it's not even a word, but like disguisatory. No, like you can, you can just, you can, disguisatory. You can, disguisatory. You can afford to disguise things more. You can afford to be a little bit more uh, open with your defensive playbook, but he's just for the, through the first two weeks, he's just not doing it right now. Now that first week is understandable because yeah, any team, any defensive coordinator is going to be scared of Mahomes and what he can do to a second. Right. But, but certainly against the Texans last week, you know, I know you said, Mike, that there is, you know, in the NFL, there's no easy games. You know, a Houston Texan team who, you know, for all intents and purposes, that you're better than could come in and beat you. But still, you are top to bottom uh, better than that team. So you could afford to be aggressive uh, against a less talented team and just kind of try to let those defensive uh, mishaps kind of work themselves out. But Right now, he's just keeping things very vanilla. And if that's the way it is going forward, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, I think you made a good point, Chad. I think when you go up against Patrick Mahomes, when you see him, when you see them go up against Lamar Jackson, it's okay to play a little bit more of a bend, don't break defense. Yeah. A lot of the best defenses in the league have to bend, don't break against Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and, and Tom Brady and those, and those guys. But yeah, like against against the Texans, against Justin Fields this week, it should be aggressive city. Yeah. It should be get after these guys and trust that your defensive backs, Ronnie Harrison, John Johnson, Troy Hill, all of these guys, 
that are mm-hmm. so good can just make the plays because I think they can. And right. and you make their life easier. Like right. it, it it seems like it's it seems like it's backwards. But if you press up a little bit more on these receivers, sure, it's a little bit more of a challenge to cover them for a long amount of time. But you got to trust your guys up front aren't making you cover them for a long amount of time. Yeah. And so uh-huh. I think that's the that's the for me the biggest thing to work on. The scheme shouldn't be fighting itself, and it feels like the scheme is fighting itself. Now, let's talk real quick uh, about the good. You have to start with Baker Mayfield. You have to start with Baker Mayfield. Again, the only thing that Baker Mayfield is lacking right now are like the gaudy touchdown numbers because, again, when the Browns get to a certain point on the field, it's pretty much automatic that they're going to score a touchdown with their running game. So... Mm -hmm. Does that hurt Baker's the way Baker's perceived when you look at his numbers and you see, oh, he's only got this many touchdowns? Yeah, of course. It's when you're not watching the games, it's going to hurt him on a national level. The dude is leading the league in completion percentage. Yeah. But not only that, not only that, but he's also number one in the league in yards per attempt. So he's leading the league in completion percentage, but he's not dinking and dunking down the field. He's leading the league in yards per attempt. So he's throwing the ball down the field. He's doing insanely accurately, 82%. Uh, and then and then you've got the, the stuff that doesn't really matter. This doesn't really matter. But you've got the grit, right, of last week. Dude pops his shoulder out after an interception that wasn't really his fault. Uh, uh, he pops his shoulder out runs back to the locker room, has it popped back in, and doesn't miss a snap. Like, Bay- Baker Mayfield has been almost immaculate this season. Well, I mean, you know, it does matter because, you know, I think intangibles do matter. I, I mean, if you if you have a quarterback, he could have very well sat back there and, you know, and said his shoulder was was hurting and, and decided to sit out the rest of the game. He, very, he could have very well done that, and a lot of quarterbacks would have, but you know, it, it does a lot of things. Like when you show toughness like that, when you show grit like that, that that just gets your rallies your teammates and gets your teammates That's even fair. more behind you. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, and like I said, I, I think I've said on this podcast in the past, the only thing I would like to see Baker do, like it's literally, in my opinion, it's literally the only leap Baker needs to make to go from great quarterback to elite quarterback. And that he has to get better in crunch time. Other than that, he, he's been, he's great. He is absolutely wonderful. And, you know, the, the fact that people constantly underrate him because his touchdown numbers are down is, is ridiculous to me. Because, and it's because of the system. And, and, for those of, and for those people that want to say, like, you see the argument with like, quarterbacks like Brady all the time, right? It's, oh, he's a system quarterback. Oh, he's a system quarterback. Every quarterback is a system quarterback. That's correct. That's <laughs> let's, correct. Let, let's 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 not let's not beat around the bush. There. Every quarterback is a system quarterback. Do you think that like do you think that uh, like if say Tom for instance like say Tom Brady got traded to the Chiefs? Do you think they're going to have Tom Brady do the same things that Patrick Mahomes is doing right now? Nope. I would they're love gonna, to see that. That would be hilarious. They're gonna, they're going to cater the system to what Tom Brady does well. And that's exactly what they're doing in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, and he is running it to a team. All right, let's go to my next good thing. Joe, I'll have you chime in on this one. Oh. My next good thing, Demetric Felton. Oh, my God. They should just call him – his new name should just be Weapon. 
His new name should just be <laughs> Weapon. I don't know what Demetric Felton's going to turn into. I do know that he is in the exact right place for Demetric Felton. Oh, yeah. Right? If Demetric Felton would have been drafted by a team that like needed a running back, I don't know that Demetric Felton makes a ton of, of noise right off the bat. And that's not, that's not saying I don't have faith in Demetric Felton. But like right off the bat, is this a guy that can just come in and be like your team's starting running back? I don't know about that. He would have been Duke Johnson. <laughs> but when you get the ball, when you get the ball in his hands, that touchdown, Joe, that touchdown that he scored, the spin move, and then missing other tackles, and then just getting into the end zone, uh, you had to you had to watch that and go, oh shit, this is just another another like killer weapon for this team. I think that, like, when you watch a move like that, like, you can't gloss over that move. No. Because you don't see really in most NFL teams and probably 90% of skill positions, you're not seeing people absolutely drop a defender without making contact with them. That is very impressive. And I don't know if, like, just that DB didn't see that move coming. But Dimitri Felton got a head full of steam and stopped on a dime, spun around, and just absolutely discarded that Texan defender. I don't even know who it was. It's probably not even worth learning his name. It was two of them. It was two defenders. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was, I was watching it with, with a buddy in Nashville, and we absolutely lost it when we saw that. Like, that is the most disrespectful play you can do as a ball carrier. Uh, next to stiff arming like Derek Henry, stiff arms Josh Norman. I, I, here in Ohio, oh, go on. I was going to say here in Ohio, the 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 legendary spin move is Braxton Miller at Ohio State uh, yeah. against Virginia Tech. There's that legendary spin move. I think Demetric Felton's was better. You don't. He spun move two dudes. Round that's done a move like that <laughs> since I've been alive. I believe Steve Hyden did once. I believe Steve Hyden okay. uh, did a spin move like that one time. Good for Steve. Good for Steve. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> or was it Greg Little? Might have been Ricky Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it was Darren Cheverini. Got it. Uh, oh, no, listen. I here's the other thing. We're we're gonna be without uh Jarvis Landry for a few weeks. He's on the IR. He's gonna be off for probably three weeks, something like that. You are gonna get hopefully, it looks like OBJ is back. Hopefully Does look this like week. That. Uh and listen, you've got fill-ins for for Landry. I mean Rashard Higgins can be a good fill-in for Jarvis Landry. You still got Donovan Peoples-Jones that can play that outside receiver. You'd probably see less Demetric Felton with OBJ back. I think you'll see more Demetric Felton with Jarvis Landry out. This is a dude that you can get the ball into his hands quickly on little, uh, little like out. You know, uh, hit him in the flat. Shorts then with OBJ. Rashard Higgins is Jarvis Landry, just younger. (laughs) That's exactly what he is. Yeah. No, I think I think you see. Yeah, maybe a little less Schwartz with OBJ. But again, you're going to see them all. I just think you'll see Felton in as a slot receiver this week. I think you'll see him in getting getting motioned out of the backfield. I think without Landry, he's kind of a safety net kind of player that you can get him the ball quickly and he can make something happen. Uh, so, yeah, I would look out for another good week for him, but he was awesome. My third uh, gold star of the game last week, how about Blake Hans? <laughs> third string, third string left tackle, right? Third string yeah. left tackle. Jed tries to play. He can't. Backup's already out. Blake Hans comes in again and is just really good. 
He's just yeah. really good again. And and he comes in at a time where the Browns are trying to just run the game away, and he's the left tackle that, yep, cool, we've got this on lockdown. And they run the game away with a third-string left tackle. Shout out Blake Hans because every time they've called that guy's name over the last couple of years, he he's not just been, like, serviceable. He just comes in and he's good. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, there's more to say. He responded. He called his name and he responded. If the Cleveland Indians are like pitching university in baseball, I feel like the Cleveland Browns are becoming O-line university, right? <laughs> just like, <laughs> just bringing these dudes in that are just, you just step up and they're good. You know, I know he's not around anymore. That, that was Kendall Lamb last year. Like, you just throw Kendall Lamb in there and he's good. So, right. yeah, man, I, I think, again, uh, just to kind of recap, the Browns uh, beat the Texans. 31-21 in a tight game. You're going to have tight games. The Browns, I promise you this. I promise you this. As the season goes on, we were all thrilled about how last season went, right? 11-5. and five. Yeah. We were all thrilled. Did you not have tight games with a shitty Eagles team? Oh, 100%. Or the Texans? Didn't you uh-huh. beat the Texans, what, 10-7? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. You had tight games with some teams that were not the Bengals. You, you had to beat them at the last second. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. NFL. You're going to have tight games with good teams and you're going to have tight games with bad teams. Ultimately, though, the only thing that matters is get the win. And that's what the Browns did this week. So heading into this next week, uh, this is going to be exciting. We've got a special we've got an announcement to make here at the end of our podcast here. Uh, as we look ahead to the Browns taking on the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields this weekend, we're going to release a special episode on Saturday. So get ready for that. Saturday, we are going to release, we recorded a special episode. We did this last year. Uh, we played the schedule game with the one and only Cameron Justice from Channel 5, WEWS here, and from basically everything else. We played the schedule game with her last year, and we all picked the Browns to go 11-5 and five before the season. And the Browns win 11 and five. So we were going to keep the good mojo rolling. We know we missed a couple weeks, uh, but we played the schedule game with Cameron Justice. We are going to release that Saturday as we get ready for the Bears game on Sunday. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Tune in, uh, listen to what Cameron thinks, listen to what we think for the rest of the Browns schedule. Uh, So again, we got Bears coming up this week. We will check that out. We'll be watching the game, and then you know you can check us out on our Instagram Live after the Browns play the Bears, where we will break down what happened, hopefully a big Browns win, uh, as we head into another week. So, guys, that's going to do it for us. We just got our one last thing that we do every week. Uh, Just to end on a positive note, we got our three cheers of the week. And so who looks ready for their three cheer? Uh, Joe, you look very ready. What's your cheer of the week this week? I got a cheer, actually. Good. What? I... Docker, <laughs> 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 I am cheering SpaceX and the Inspiration4. I don't know if you've watched the documentary on Netflix, which it's escaping oh. me, but I'm sure just type in SpaceX into Netflix or Inspiration4 into Netflix. And it'll first, show I, up. first, I thought you said SpaceX. I was like, nope. good for you. Space no, good that's it. for you. X. <laughs> a lot of S sounds and a lot of X sound. I get that. I get that. That's right. No nope. space See? X. Um, okay. They sent their first. I want to put it in quotes because it's not like a truly like an all civilian mission because it's like people with a lot of background and different type of uh, 
space and different things and flying. Space, but space uh, things. technically the first non-professional astronaut crew to go to space and just like chill up there for three days and come down. And that's pretty dope. I'm like all into space travel. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the moon. No. Um, <laughs> play just, play I just, just think it's, I think it's really cool. I think it's, uh, it's exciting that, um, you know, there's some funding going into space and they raised a ton of money for St. Jude along the way. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the real um, exclamation part on that whole uh, trip there, but very cool. That's my awesome. Two. You All right, just cool. the tip with space, like Jeff Bezos did. You play just the tip. No, they yeah, went higher they, than the ISS. Uh, they like went like they were like very high. Uh, whoa. They were all so high. This is why it's from. <laughs> they were the like, whoa, server. dude, it feels like we're in outer space right now. Yeah. Whoa. It was actually just a weird mushroom trip someone caught on camera. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just some guy sitting on the sidewalk. I can see the whole earth from here. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, this isn't my cheer of the week, and I'll go next to give Chad his little extra time. Uh, but uh, we came out and saw the ISS last week, and that was really cool uh, with a with a four year old who's really into everything space. My son can name me all the planets. He knows he like looks around for him out there. He is super into it. He so should we watch watched, the documentary. He would love that. We watched the space station fly over. It was uh, even me. I, I, I think it's all cool. And I thought that was very cool to see it go flying over. So uh, I'll go to my cheer of the week. Uh I, I told her I was going to do this. I'm going to give my cheer of the week to my wife. <laughs> my wife volunteered to do a school project for Patrick's uh, pre-K at school Already? this week. Oh, what a mistake. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> they were making like, uh, part of it is my wife's fault, but I'm going to give her a shout out because she spent hours, like hours and hours on this project. You know, Clifford, the big red dog. Oh, yeah. yeah? Well, they were making the 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 task was to make like Clifford the big red dog and they're going to decorate things in the classroom with them. She needed to make like 50 of them. Like she needed to make them by like cutting out paper. But each Clifford was like six parts. So she had to like with scissors cut out the bottom half of Clifford, the big red dog, and then his head and then his eyes. And then like his, like his mouth and his nose, it all had to be cut out. So it was like 50 Cliffords, but it was like 500 cutouts of things that she just sat and just busted ass on. Uh, part of it's her fault in that she is incapable of doing anything artistic without like trying her damn hardest. Right. You know, yeah. her. Oh, I know that. Yeah. She, she can't half ass anything artistic. So every Clifford looks exactly like the Clifford from the books. And incredible. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's incredible. right. It all looks great. Uh, and the, what the, the example, <laughs> the example they sent home for <laughs> the example they sent home for one of the eyes is drooping. And I was like, is that Clifford having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, she didn't droop any eyes. So anyways, I'm just giving her a cheers. She's being like a school mom and she is cutting out hundreds of pieces of paper. Totally mistaken, uh, taken on that task. You know and what? I, I take and that I back. As the dad, I take that back. Put in the time now and then like coast in like grade like one three. You know, I as the dad did not fit. <laughs> so no cheers you to me. Have but been cheers on to cut me. duty. No, hell no. I, the problem is she wants him to look like Clifford. I, I can't cut that well. I can't make those curves with scissors. That's yeah. impossible. Uh, so cheers to her. All right, Chad, what's your cheer of the week? 
Oh, little do you know, assholes, I came prepared this week. I've got two cheers, actually. I've got two cheers. I knew it, Chad. I was watching yeah, Chad's so? face when you were saying, like, who's going to go first, and, like, he did not budge. Well, I'm glad I saved you and for I, last. I felt that he had something this week. Yeah, I've got yeah, two shows. cheers this week, assholes. <laughs> uh, all right, you ready for this one? Yep. Uh, the first one goes to Marlins right fielder, Jesus Sanchez, uh, for doing something I have never seen before. You, uh, I mean, we've seen guys in the infield pick up ground balls with their bare hands. Like, just, you know, if something takes a bad bounce, someone reaches back and, uh, you know, and grabs it with their bare hand, throws the first for the out. Marlins right fielder, Jesus Sanchez, against the Washington Nationals the other night, overran a, a fly ball down the right field line. He overran it, reached back with his right hand, and caught a fly ball with his bare fucking hand. <laughs> that was That's awesome. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. All right. And my other cheers goes to Portland State coach Bill Barnum. Bruce Barnum. Bruce Barnum. <laughs> Bill Bruce. Bruce Barnum. <laughs> Joe Dan Whalen. Uh, 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 for... <laughs> For his generosity uh, this week, as uh, as he was trying to generate hype, this is the Portland State head coach, Portland State football team head coach, Bruce Barnum, uh, to generate hype for his team's home opener versus Western Oregon this week, he said he'd buy everybody a beer. Well, little did he know. Oh, no. That would, re- that would result in a $14,000 tab <laughs> oh, no. of beer. Uh, I'm looking at the beer receipt here. It's from Barney's Beer Garden, which is fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's for he posted the receipt on his Twitter. It's for 1,260 Colorado Kool Aids, if you will. Uh, Coors Lights, in case anybody doesn't know that. Uh, 460 Coors Lights and 1,260, 1,260, Mike, and uh, 786 Deschutes. Fresh squeezed IPAs mm-hmm. for a total of two thousand and sixty-four beers for a grand total on his tab of fourteen thousand four hundred forty-eight dollars. Coach Bruce Barnum of the Portland State Vikings bought fourteen thousand dollars for the entire stadium. Wow! This week. So my cheers goes to him. Yes, de- definite cheers. Can we get him as the coach of like the yeah. Buckeyes? I, I like Ryan Day, but this guy's buying beer. Let's get him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We should get him on the podcast. He gets some Portland beers. All right. Those are our cheers of the week. Uh, if you have anything you want to shout out, you want us to call you out, uh, shout out, retweet, anything like that, let us know, and we will do that. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here on episode 82, boys. Uh uh, a really good time. Uh, our thanks goes out again to Bob DiBiasio, the head of PR uh, for the Cleveland Indians, soon to be the Guardians. What a great set of stories Bobby D gave us. Go follow him at BD Baseball Six on Twitter. Uh, but thank you again to Bobby D. Uh, thank you uh, to you guys, the listeners, for jumping in with us and uh, 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 you know listening, enjoying, supporting us. Everything. Go follow all of our pages. Subscribe to our our YouTube channel. Uh, and if you want. Go over and grab a hat, grab a t-shirt at garagebeershop.com and uh, we appreciate you as always. Uh, Again, for Joey down in Nashville, Tennessee at Garage Beers Joe, 
for Chad over on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers. Mike, I am at Garage Beers. Chad, that's your name. I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike saying thank you again for joining us. Go follow us at the Garage Beers. And until this weekend with our special guest, Cameron Justice. Cheers, everybody. If you're looking for a New Year's resolution that's easy to keep, I have just the one. Resolve to help protect your identity with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. LifeLock alerts you to potential threats to your identity. And if you have a problem, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft, but help keep what's yours, yours, by resolving to protect your identity. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com aware.